Bibles with you and you want to turn there, you'll be taking some scripture out of the gospel according to Luke. And it's in Luke chapter 19. And uh, I would like to think if anybody's ever at least been in Sunday school, if not uh, attended church somewhat regularly, you've probably encountered this, uh, this set of scripture at one time or another. And it's, uh, my Bible has a heading, uh, the meeting of Jesus and Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. And, uh, you know, this is a significant meeting right here because what I find is that when I read the Word of God, that a lot of times people encountered Jesus and there were some that were looking for Him and some that didn't even know who He was and He came to them, but all of them left changed. Okay, uh, Only He can transform a person into somebody other than what they were at the beginning. That I can tell you that before that I really come to meet him, uh, that what I was was the type of person that I might have been nice as far as men are concerned, uh, but I had a jet black heart. Uh, you know that that people would have probably said of me, "Oh, he's a good guy," uh, but I was just bad enough to die and go to the devil's hell. Because a lot of times if the devil, he'll try to convince people of one or two things. Uh, either they're so good that they need not be saved or they're so bad they cannot be saved. And neither one of those is true. Uh, uh, that we all need a Savior. We've all come short uh, of the glory of God. That we've all fallen short uh, and we have to have a Savior. And that the setup of this particular instance, uh, and, I, and every time I read this, I think about uh, the first several chapters of the gospel according to John, that it's repeated, come and see, or come see a man. Uh, and what Zacchaeus has done now is he's heard uh, about this guy Jesus, uh, and you think about Zacchaeus, uh, uh, and it was I missed it the first several times, uh, especially from Sunday school, I remember, uh, especially in my mama. Eula's Sunday school class uh, uh, she had those little materials and it would always show Zacchaeus and he was a short little guy and he couldn't see because he was so short and so he climbed a tree. Uh, uh, but we didn't really talk about uh, the fact that uh, as far as the Roman government was concerned, he was a big wig. He was not a little guy in that regard. He had lots of money. He had lots of power. He could have had somebody hoist him on their shoulders or whatever. But he made an effort to see Jesus. And I can tell you what comes to my mind most readily in this set of Scripture is that the Lord is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And so we'll start reading at verse 1. In Luke chapter 19, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now Jericho uh, wasn't a big long way away from Jerusalem. It was a downhill walk. Uh, it was easy to get from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, Jerusalem was on a hill. Jericho was down in a valley. And you may remember the story of Jericho uh, uh, that it was that Joshua and the children of Israel, uh, that was the first city that they took. Uh, and they took down the walls and they cursed the city and said, if it gets rebuilt, uh, it'll be upon 
whoever rebuilds it firstborn son uh, and it's in the land of Samaria uh, and Jesus goes deliberately there uh, and his fame has gone abroad uh, and people are coming out to see him uh, uh, but they're only just wanting to see the spectacle uh, but you'll find one in this crowd uh, that really wants uh, the same as that woman that touched the hem of his garment uh, he's wanting to get a hold of something uh, uh, that's more than just the spectacle uh, that's more than just a, a, a no-so sort of thing, but rather he's looking for that saving power of the Most High God. And so it says now in verse 2, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now to give you an idea, the publicans, if you don't know, they were the tax collectors for the Roman government. They were backed by the Roman centurions. If they went and knocked on your door and said pay up and you said no, you'd get another knock from some guys with swords in hand and then you would either pay or you'd be thrown in prison and if you resisted, you'd be killed. And a lot of them were crooked. They would say, all right, give me Caesar's due and then give me a little extra for me. Or I'm going to tell them you didn't give me anything they're going to come burn your house down. You're going to come take everything you got. So they were thieves with a government paycheck. They were Roman collaborators. That's why they had their own special category because often they would say, well, Jesus dines with publicans and sinners. You know what that tells me? Publicans had a special spot that they were almost worse than what you would just call a regular sinner. And that's this guy that Luke is talking about in chapter 19, verse 2. He's rich. And so it says now, and he sought to see Jesus, verse 3, who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. He was shorter than everybody else and he couldn't see Jesus. And I've been in situations like that. At five foot nine, I'm not particularly tall, not particularly short, right in the middle. But I've noticed that heights have trended up since they handed mine out. Uh, and a lot of times I'm in a crowd of people, all I can see are the backs of other people's heads. And Zacchaeus, he might all he seen was their lower backs. Uh, it doesn't say exactly how short that he was, uh, uh, but it says he couldn't see because of all the crowd. Very similar to that woman with the issue of blood. And you see, Zacchaeus has his own issue of blood uh, in that he needs the blood of the Lamb uh, to take away his sin uh, uh, that he needs to get to him. Uh, and he doesn't know exactly what to do, uh, but he puts forth the effort uh, that it requires uh, that while he didn't get to him to touch him, uh, that his effort impressed upon the Lord. And a lot of times, I can tell you, I've come out to the church uh, uh, feeling low in stature, feeling down physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Uh, uh, but I climbed the steps. Uh, I walked up, uh, sat down in the pew, uh, not really expecting nothing more than just beating in time. Uh, but I made the effort. Uh, I put on the nice clothes. Uh, I came out. Uh, I, I knew that it was more uh, uh, than just Brother Jeremiah. Uh, and what I found was the Lord come right up to me and said since you've been diligent in seeking me out I'm going to bless you and I left feeling better than when I came through the doors and if you don't think church attendance isn't important you've been going to the wrong place 
days. You've not been getting in touch with that Shekinah glory of the Most High God. You've not been seeing Jesus. You've just been going there and hearing a few stories and watching me get up here and yell and spit and slobber. And that's about it. But I can tell you that there is a God in heaven. And regardless of, you know, and I've thought about this a lot. A lot of people will say uh, uh, when it comes to communion with the Lord, everything's got to be perfect. It ain't a space shuttle launch. Everything don't have to be perfect. Uh, Some people won't come because it's raining. Some people won't come because that it might rain. Some don't come because it's too pretty of a day. Uh, Some may not seek the Lord. Uh, But I tell you this, uh, when it's raining in your life, uh, He'll come when you call. Uh, uh, When you need Him, uh, He won't hesitate. Uh, And all that He asks of us uh, is to be diligent, uh, to be faithful, uh, to hold on, uh, and to trust Him in all things. And it sounds simple when I say it like that, but then try doing it. The day in, the day out. And so Zacchaeus now, we've set the stage. Jesus is coming through this area. Everybody's wanting to see him. I remember a few years ago when Donald Trump paid a visit to Huntington, West Virginia. And I remember I, I'd forgot about it. I was coming down I-64, and I looked, man, and they had off-ramps blocked with big dump trucks loaded down and all kinds of stuff. And I thought, my goodness, what in the world is going on in Huntington? Why, you couldn't have got to downtown Huntington if your life depended on it. And then I realized, oh, yeah, the President of the United States is coming to town. And they were either those who really loved him or those who really hated him. And he needed to be protected from both. If I'd have wanted to see him, they wouldn't have been no way. If I'd have climbed a tree to try to see him, I'd have probably got shot out of it. But now if if he'd have said, you know what? There's this guy I heard about over on Dillon Branch that really wants to see me. And he'd have drove right up to my house. Nobody else could have gotten his way. He'd have looked around and said, I'm going to see Jeremiah Williamson and the power that's vested in me from the United States of America ain't going to stop me. Uh, Well, what happens here now uh, is that you'll notice that Jesus comes to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus made the effort, but Jesus is the one who made it work. Because you'll notice it says in verse 4, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now I'd go ahead and tell you, I, I wouldn't want to climb no sycamore tree. That fuzz and everything off of their leaves, I'd probably have a coffin fit and throw out on it, and Jesus, Jesus would have had to perform a miracle and resurrect me because I'd fell out of there and broke my neck. But Zacchaeus, he climbs up in the tree. He's seen where that Jesus was going to be, and he said, then that's where I want to be, is I want to be where Jesus is going to be at. And so he climbs up in the tree. And so the stage is set. Now you imagine what a sight this was. One of the richest men in town, little short dude, he finds him a tree. And maybe some people are looking, you know, yeah, I see Jesus coming this way. And then they look around and, well, what in the world is Zacchaeus doing? Some of them may have been, I hope he falls out of that neck or falls out of that tree and breaks his neck. In fact, let's get a few rocks and we'll see if we can't knock him out. I hope the limbs break. Somebody go get a saw and let's cut the tree down with him in it. They probably hated him. And a lot of people did. 
Maybe they looked at him and said, you know, he thinks he's so special. Thinks he'll get Jesus' attention by climbing a tree. But I guarantee you Jesus will line that jet black heart out. And he did. Because it says now in verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And said unto him, You black-hearted son of Satan, come down out of that tree. Oh, no, wait, that's not what he says. A lot of people might have expected that. Maybe he even deserved it. For what did he have done? Government-based thievery. But notice he says to him, it says, verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. (laughs) That he looked up in the tree and said, Come on down, because I'm actually headed to your house. Jesus was on his way to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus didn't know it, but he'd come to see a man. It's like that Samaritan woman at the well, when she went back in town, and she told him, come see a man who told me everything that I did. Her life that Philip said, come and see a man. They asked Jesus, where dwellest thou? And he said, come and see. Nicodemus, come and seen him by night uh, that when we seek him out uh, he'll make sure he's not hard to find but I guarantee you the devil will be throwing up a smoke screen switching road signs lying, telling you all kinds of things, trying to weary your spirit, but I tell you this Jesus won't let anything stand in your way if you're seeking him out he'll reward you because he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him And your diligence may take the form of crawling in that door back there, feeling lower than a snake's belly. It may take the form of just setting aside some time during your lunchtime to pray or to read His Word, to spend time with Him. He rewards that when we diligently seek Him. As long as we are pressing toward Him, and pushing aside the things of the world. Now, does that, now, do you think that Brother Jeremiah's up here and I'm going to give you five key points uh, to be a successful Christian in the day-to-day life? I can give you one key point uh, that'll help you uh, along that. I don't need five. I can do it in one. Uh, and that is to keep Jesus right in front of you. Uh, it's awful hard to sin uh, when you're following Him. Uh, it's awful hard uh, to get off track uh, when you're following the one uh, who is the way who is the truth and who is the life but this world now they'll jump out they'll try to scare you away you know I've heard my students talking about this over the last little bit they'll ask me Mr. Williamson do you know where Fallsburg is and I'm like guys I live real close to Fallsburg especially compared to you people in Westmoreland and they're talking about that haunted house they go there. And I've heard about it for years. It's not my thing to go to those sorts of things. And they talk about as they're walking along and people are jumping out with chainsaws and uh, torches and pitchforks and hollering at them and grabbing a hold of them and everything else. And I'm like, well, shoot, that's like walking down the halls of school just about it. Oh, yeah. and, and, but I, I told them, I said, 
There's all kinds of distractions and they'll get you looking one way and then do something on the other side. And I am tell you though, that's about the way the devil works. You're following that narrow path. You've got your eyes on the Lord and Satan will come from one side and the other. If he can't scare you out, he'll tempt you out. If he can't slow you down, he'll put his hand in your back and push you faster than what you can travel and then trip you when you're running every pound that you can run. But if we follow Jesus, we'll stay on track. We'll stay on pace. We won't get distracted. And the gates of hell won't prevail against us. And Zacchaeus now, he sought Jesus out. He climbed the tree. Jesus has come to him. He looked right up in the tree and said, Come on down. You've certainly got my attention. And I'm going to your house. Now, we don't have recorded exactly what took place there. You know, that I think a lot of people would say, Oh, I'd love to fill in all these details. Well, let me tell you this the most important thing, it's like I tell two young people when they're planning a wedding, and I tell them, Look, the only way the wedding fails is if you don't leave married. And they look and say, Well, you know, that's right. I'm like, Yeah, I've done this a time or two. If the bride trips going down the aisle, as long as she don't break her neck and die, you're going to leave there married. If there's no music, you'll still leave there married. If there's no food, you still leave there married. And you see, with Jesus meeting Zacchaeus, the most important thing is that Zacchaeus became a brand new man that day. He got what he needed from Jesus Christ because something happened in his heart and he began to seek the Lord and the Lord didn't make himself hard to find. Because you'll notice it says in verse 6, And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Uh, Verse 7, And when they saw it, uh, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Uh, And I tell you, the devil and his billy goats, they're always wanting to drag you out in the alley uh, uh, and to tell you things uh, uh, that ain't no good. Uh, And they murmured against him. And probably the worst thing of all was what they said about Zacchaeus was true. You see, a lot of times when people say things about you, it hurts the most when it's true. Oh yeah. You know, my buddies would say we'd say stuff to each other, and when we'd get mad, be when somebody said something's actually true. You know that that would be what upset them. Zacchaeus was a sinner. There was no doubt there. But you see, a sinner in the presence of Christ is getting ready to turn into something else. That he's a new creature, changed. From what he used to be. And now it says in verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And he stood up before man. And before our Lord, and he repented of what that he was. He told Jesus, he said, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. And if I have taken anything by false accusation, I'll not only give back what I took, but I'll multiply it by four. And he meant it. You couldn't lie to the Lord. That's what he told Jesus. He said, I've done this. He got a new heart. Suddenly he realized that There was something better than money. There was something better than worldly goods and worldly pleasures. And he decided to change his whole tune. 
And you'll notice now Jesus answers and says, says verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Found him up in a tree. He'd been lost. And you know, I think about that a lot of times that, uh, you know, you go in down there at Walmart and you see that one bulletin board over there near where the bathrooms are at in the front and they have pictures of young people and their runaways and kidnapped kids and things like that. And, you know, they're lost. Some of them ran away, they weren't taken, they left. But that doesn't make them any less lost and their situation any less dire. But a lot of times we look around and we try to place degrees on lostness. One person is more lost than another. I can tell you that a person can die and go to the devil's hell from the church pew. All the while, everybody there having been fooled, call them brother, sister, whatever else. Uh, uh, and maybe before man, they live an upright life, but before God, uh, they've never received Christ uh, because that's the only thing that matters. Uh, when this heart stops beating uh, is whether or not you have Jesus Christ. Uh, all the good deeds, uh, everything else that you can think of, uh, it's not going to do you not one drop of good if you don't come Saying to the cross I cling and to the blood of the Lamb uh, uh, do I hold on to. You see, because uh, uh, when Jesus... Now you think about uh, some of those that were watching when Jesus told Zacchaeus he was saved. They might have said, wait a minute. Uh, Sin can't be put away uh, without the shedding of blood. Uh, uh, Jesus might have looked at him and told him the same thing that Abraham told Isaac. uh, When Isaac said, where's the sacrifice? Uh, And Abraham said, God will provide for himself uh, a sacrifice. Uh, Jesus may have said the sacrifice is coming the blood of the lamb will be shed it will remit his sins all the sins before and all the sins that would come after that I'm going to deal with them but Zacchaeus believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ And I love a good repentance story. I love a good story when somebody uh, uh, turns from the things of the world uh, and turns to Jesus Christ uh, uh, because that tells me uh, he's still in the saving business. Uh, He hasn't quit. Uh, He hasn't reached a quota. Uh, But he says, Come unto me all ye that are labored and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Uh, uh, That he wants all who will to be saved. And then to hold on. And sometimes we might get off track. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever prayed this when I pray and say, Lord, keep your hedge of protection about them. Often about my loved ones. But I had had an epiphany there the Lord impressed upon me. And I started praying and help them to stay within your hedge of protection. Because he might set up an area of protection. When I was a little bitty fella, mom and dad had a fence around their yard. We lived right beside of the main road there on Route 37 in East Lynn. And I remember mom was very fearful about one of us getting out there in the road and getting run over. And it was in a straight stretch and people would fly right up and down it. And they had a fence to keep us kids out of it. And you know, nobody ever, the whole time we lived there, never once did a car come over in that yard. Now if one had, that fence wouldn't have stopped it. 
But the intention of the fence was to keep me and my brothers from getting out in that road to where that the cars were at. And a lot of times what we've got to do in our walk with the Lord is set up a fence, set up a guard. If we have sin that overtakes us and does so on a regular basis, then maybe we need to start locking some doors and building some fences and setting up guards and saying, Lord, I can't overcome this. Don't let me be tempted beyond that which I can bear and if we seek him diligently he rewards us that's not just what saith brother Jeremiah that is what saith the word of God it's a promise and church when you read this Bible you look for the warnings you look for the commandments and you look for the promises and when it says shall be you take that as an absolute certainty and I'll tell you this what Zacchaeus got was he got a relationship with the most high God through Jesus Christ that was what he got that day Now, does that mean that Zacchaeus had a perfect run after that? I seriously doubt it. The woman with the issue of blood, did she have a perfect run after that she touched the hem of his garment? I seriously doubt it. But I fully expect to see both of them in heaven. And if I walked right up to them and asked them, well, how did you get here? I read about you. They'd look and say the same way that you did. By the blood of that lamb. That was the only thing that remitted my sins. It wasn't because I featured in the Bible. It wasn't because that I done good deeds it was by the blood of the lamb because we all the time we want to attach degrees and conditions on things and we want to overcomplicate it that's why that Jesus said suffer the little children to come unto me because they got it you tell a little kid about Jesus Christ and they'll just accept it won't they well yeah that works I remember when I was a little kid, Jesus was perfectly real to me. He was absolutely real to me. I remember when I was little, trying to look upon a top of a cloud to see His kingdom. I was looking for His kingdom. My older brother ridiculed me for it. He said, son, that, that ain't how it works. Uh, he's not up on top of the clouds. Uh, it's a place that you can't get to uh, uh, by flying up there or anything else. Uh, uh, but what I would later find out uh, is there's only one way into His kingdom. Uh, uh, and it's actually easy uh, because the difficulty was on him and that one way is through and by the blood of the lamb that's it and all that the world has to do is just come see a man you know I've had people come up to me before and ask me Jeremiah do you know a good mechanic Jeremiah do you know a good plumber and all these things and you know the, the phrase I know a guy I got a guy yeah I recommend this fella well, let me say, when it comes to sin, I know a guy. Oh, yes. And he has perfect reviews. He has never let somebody down who has asked him for help. Right. Now, some people may say, oh, no, he let him down. Uh, they may say, when my father uh, uh, left from this world, oh, he was let down. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, uh, that was the finest hour uh, uh, because the blood of the Lamb uh, is applied in a person's life. Uh, and when a Christian goes to sleep in the Lord, uh, uh, that is their finest hour. Uh, they go to that posthumous joy uh, uh, that really passes any understanding we can have. But the world would look around and they'd say, no, that can't happen. 
Everybody has an opinion on everybody else. Right. And I love, though, and I've mentioned this several times over the last several weeks, you know, when they brought the woman caught in the issue of adultery. And Jesus asked them to look at their own sin. Yeah. So everybody's got an opinion on everybody else. But what about your opinion of yourself and where you stand? Because that's what's most important. That I can tell you that if I, if I didn't look at me on a regular basis, I would never be able to, in good conscience, get behind this pulpit. And I can tell you there have been times I've been hesitant. Things going on in my life. And me have to really stop and pray hard. Ask the Lord to sanctify me. When's the last time you've asked God to sanctify you? And sanctification, what it is, is it's getting it cleaned up, getting it set aside, saying that that's for the purpose of the Most High God. And if you're unsanctified, don't let me hold you up. You get to the altar. Don't wait. Don't put it off another moment. You ask the Lord for sanctification. Ask Him to set you aside because you may not make it home. You know, a lot of times people leave this world and they don't even see it coming. Right. It happens frequently. Yeah. Years ago, Mom and I were headed down the road, just not too far from where we're currently at. There was a real bad accident. A guy in a big uh, truck hauling a roll-off dumpster. Come down through there, they had traffic stop. Mom and I were pointed toward Huntington. This guy come a barreling down through there. He couldn't get stopped. I looked in the rear view when I heard the noise and seen vehicles and coil springs standing in the air. And I remember thinking, I, we pulled forward just as far as we could because we didn't know if he was going to get stopped before he hit us. I believe there were five or six cars involved in that. There was one, as far as I know, there was one fatality from that wreck. And it was a man who was headed southbound. That truck had tried to cut over in the other lane ran slap over top of the driver. I seen it. Bothers me to this day. Man by the name of Mike Davis. I didn't know him, had never met him. I would later find out he was actually a member at the church I would later be pastor of at Steel Memorial. And his wife, Viola, she was in the passenger seat and she was pretty bad off because of that, but he was obviously gone. And I remember thinking about that for days after. And uh you know, his seatbelt was still fastened. He wasn't speeding. He hadn't broken any laws. He was actually doing everything right. He had done nothing wrong as far as operation of that vehicle. He got up that morning and he didn't know it was his last day on this right. earth. But I remember when I heard that he was a Christian... How relieved that I was. And some would say, well, a fat lot of good that did him. Well, if you make it to heaven, you ask him how much good it did him. You ask him if he was glad that he was ready. Because a lot of people operate in this life thinking, oh, I'll slide in at the last second. Oh, I'll figure it out right at the last moment. And I'll tell you this, I will never discount or say that somebody can't do that, but I will tell you this, it's a bad plan. Because there's no guarantee. Because the thing about procrastination is you know when the last minute is when you procrastinate. 
When you don't know when the last minute is, how in the world can you procrastinate? When you don't know when that last moment is. When you think, oh, I'm going to see it coming. I'll be ready. I'll cry out at the last. Just like that thief on the cross. But you know, the thing that always haunted me about that, and that was my plan for a little while, was that scripture where that Jesus said, I'll call. You'll not answer. And there'll come a time when you'll call. And I'll not answer. You see, that's the one that throws the wrench in the whole works. When that we'll call upon Him. And He won't answer. And I can tell you this, He called me when I was a little bitty fella and I, I didn't answer Him. And that Scripture began to haunt me. And I thought, did I wait too late? Have I waited too long? And I began to get worried and I started reading the Bible and increased in my academic understanding, but I didn't know Christ. And I began to put forth effort. I was out climbing trees, so to speak, because I was seeking Him. And one day, He come right to my house and He told me, I've come to see you. And He called upon me and I answered and said, Here am I, Lord. And He saved my soul. Now, I haven't had a perfect run. But I will tell you this, he's never quit on me, even when I've quit on him. Even when that I have failed, messed up, thought I had quit. And he's come and said, this is no place to be. Get up and live. Gotten discouraged just like the prophet Elijah. Sat down under my juniper tree and said, God, why don't you just go ahead and kill me? Let me out of this world. I would rather die than continue to live. And he'll let me throw my little pity party. Just like he did Elijah. You know, the whole time Elijah was there, he was trying to starve himself to death and God kept sending him food. And then he said, all right, now that you're done, get up. I want to show you something. And said that he led Elijah up onto a nearby mountain and showed him the things in the world. Showed him an earthquake. But it said, Elijah said, but the Lord wasn't in that. Showed him a whirlwind going by, a tornado in all of its power. And he was impressed, but the Lord wasn't in that. But then he heard that still small voice. And he said, that's where the Lord is. In that still small voice. And he went on. And you see, he met the Lord. Later on, he was taken up in a chariot of fire. As a whirlwind. Now God will encourage you. He'll help you along the way. And all you got to do is just be diligent. Diligently seeking. It sounds easy. But sometimes it's awfully difficult. But I can tell you this. If you're climbing trees, if you're asking, you're seeking, and you're knocking, oh, he might not come right that minute. You see, Daniel, he prayed, said, for 21 days. And when the archangel of the Lord made it to him, he told him, he said, the Lord dispatched me on day one. He said, but I had to fight my way here. But I got here. And he'll get to you. You might have to wait a few days. But I can tell you this, he rewards those that diligently seek him. And I hope that as a Christian, you're diligently seeking him. And most of all, I hope that if you're not a Christian, you are diligently seeking him and seeking the reward, seeking the change. Zacchaeus, he didn't know how that day was going to turn out, but he wanted to see Jesus. And he came out.
And Jesus gave him everything that he needed. And I fully expect to see Zacchaeus in heaven. And you see, time fails me to read all the rest of it, but Jesus goes on into the parable of the talents right after this. And talks about it. You see, you put yourself to work for the Lord. Now you don't work yourself into heaven, but you put what you have in His hands and let Him give the increase. Some people may say, well, I really don't have a whole lot. Have you ever noticed though, whenever the old prophets would be getting ready to do a miracle, they would ask them, well, what do you have? Like that widow that Elisha come to that I preached about a couple of weeks ago. He asked her, what do you got? She said, I got one pot of oil. And he said, okay, we're going to fill everything up out of that one pot. And he did. What little bit that you got, God can multiply it and make it a blessing. Have you asked God to make you a blessing? Not a blessing for you, but to use you to bless others. Because when you're focused on that, it'll be awfully hard to get off track for the Lord. When you're constantly trying to be a blessing to other people, it's hard to be tempted away from the Lord. And Zacchaeus, he already said, look, I'm going to give to the poor. He said, I want to be a blessing. I've blessed myself enough and it's left me empty. I think he learned the same lesson that Solomon did in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've ever read that, you've read about somebody that's depressed. Oh yeah. Because he starts out and says, Vanity of vanities, vexation and grasping for the wind. It's all pointless. Oh yeah. And I can tell you, I felt like that a time or two in my life. And because it is, especially without the Lord. But if you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, and if you've never read it, that's your homework for this week. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. It's 12 chapters. It doesn't take that long. But you'll find, number one, you'll find the lyrics to an old song in it there. To everything there is a season. Yes. There's an old song written about that. And a lot of people are like, that's some really inspired lyrics. And they didn't even understand the guy just took it directly from the book of Ecclesiastes. But when he gets down to the end, he said, well, then let us see the conclusion of the whole matter. After that, he... See, Solomon had all the money he wanted. Wasn't happy. He had all the sex he wanted. He wasn't happy. He had all the drink that he wanted and he wasn't happy. He said, I didn't keep any fleshly delight from myself. And I was empty. Take his word for it. It'll never fill you up. It'll never satisfy. And so when he came down to the end, the conclusion of the whole matter, he said it is to fear God and to keep His commandments. That is the duty of man to do that. That all the things that he'd seen, all the things that he had done. Because I'll tell you, the, the prevailing idea, and I remember when I was young, people was like, oh, you got to try it. They told me I was marrying a girl that I started dating when I was in the ninth grade. And people was like, well, you ain't never been out with anybody. The way I put it to my students is I said, don't ask me for dating advice. I found somebody I liked and married her. Some people would tell me I was 19 years old when I stood before Almighty God and my family and friends and took a vow to her. And there were people that said, oh, you got to get out and sow your wild oats. And I said, no, I don't. There's nothing that says I have to. Oh, you got to get out and experience the things of life. I didn't want to. I had seen the bad side of those things and I wanted nothing to do with it. Now, I wasn't a Christian when that I went to, to the marriage altar, but I can tell you this, I was taking steps in that direction. But the world would say, oh, no, you got to try all these things. No, you don't. 
Satan would love for you to try them. But you see, Satan is a grass is always greener kind of God. And some people keep him as their God. Oh yeah, I'll follow you. Well, there's something better over there and you get over there. Nope. Well, I meant over here. Nope. And that's what Solomon did. He tried it. Tried to satisfy the flesh and couldn't do it. And if anybody had the means to do so, it was him. But then he came to God and found that God can satisfy the most unsatisfiable. And that the, the greatest thing that any person can ever learn is how to be content. Yeah. How to be to take joy in what you have rather than looking at what you don't have. Right. And I can tell you the most joyful thing you can ever find is a Savior in Jesus Christ because then that makes death not even a worry. And that, you can't buy that. You can't intellectually learn that. But you can have it in Jesus Christ. And that's what Zacchaeus got. And that's what I hope you have. And if you don't have it, you can come and get it. Don't wait. Don't put it off. The altar, it's open. Come and dine. Come and see a man. Come see the Lord. Won't you come?